Good morning. Really excited to have you here this morning and very excited for what you're going to hear. In the midst of frustrating, uncertain times, our hope this morning is you walk out this door with a smile on your face, with joy in your heart, and a thankful spirit as we celebrate what God has done. Once a year in August, we take the time for what we call the stay of the church. It's to remind ourselves what we're about. Uh, This year, we're going to do it in two weeks, this week and next weekend, as we wrap up the last decade and really look at uh, what God has done over the last 10 years. Our mission statement for Lincoln Berean is to glorify God by seeking to present every person complete in Christ. We are constantly wrestling with that language, every person. What are the implications of that? What does that mean? And what you're going to hear this week and next week is God has done remarkable things far beyond the campus of Lincoln Brand as we seek to present every person complete in Christ. The vision statement should be familiar to you. Josh and uh, Ryan and Jeff have spent the summer unpacking this statement for us. Coming together to know Jesus, become more like him, and help others do the same. They called the series Renewed because it isn't really a new vision. It's fresh language to the same vision we've had for decades. They did a great job of unpacking uh, that statement. If you weren't with us this summer, I'd really encourage you to get the series and go through it. And just uh, it's a good reminder of what we're about as a church. In 2010, we launched an initiative, a campaign of sorts, that we called A Decade on Purpose. Really, the heartbeat of that was to encourage everyone to think about whatever season of life you're in and frame it around the next 10 years, realizing you don't get any of those days back again. What will matter for you And how do you make sure that you live the next 10 years on purpose for the things that matter? So we introduced that concept with this video. Check it out. In 10 years, I will have read my last bedtime story. In 10 years, I'll be driving. In 10 years, I'm going to be you. Hey, Mommy, look. In 10 years, this house will be empty. In 10 years, I'll be done climbing the corporate ladder. In 10 years, I'll be retired. How much time do I have to teach my girls? How much time do I have to make a difference? 
If you know anyone in that video, it's immediately obvious how much time has passed, how much has changed. You blink a couple times and 10 years is gone and you don't get any of those days back. So the, the repeating message of the last decade was to live for the things that matter. One of the people in that video, Ben, was the older gentleman who actually has worked for us for a number of years. On Tuesday, had a heart attack here at the building, was taken by ambulance to the hospital, and honestly, all week he's been fighting for his life. And there's this sobering reminder that what he said on the video is true. You just don't know. How many days left do I have to make a difference? So there's been this repeated message for 10 years that you don't know, so live for the things that matter. Who could have imagined in January what was ahead for the next six months and how much has changed? I can't tell you how many times over these last six months there's been a deep satisfaction in knowing. We have done everything in our power to encourage people again and again and again to live for what matters. It's a reminder we're not in control, that everything can change in a moment. Jesus said, if you treasure treasures on earth, you're going to lose them. No matter what you do, you can't keep them. But if you treasure treasures in heaven, no politician, no leader, no doctor, no disease can diminish or take away what you've invested in the things that will matter forever. There should be a deep, deep sense of satisfaction that these are the things that will still matter a thousand years from now. So that was kind of the heart and soul of a decade on purpose. In addition to that, there were six initiatives, and I wanna go through those quickly. But it's really important to understand some of these we all were involved in directly, but most of them it was more indirectly. But it's really important to us as leaders that when you walk out these doors, you realize if you gave, if you served, if you prayed, you've been a part of what God has done around the world, and we should celebrate that together. The first initiative was eliminate the debt. In October of 2016, for the first time in over 50 years, Lincoln Burian was 100% debt free. It was an amazing moment for us. And there's been many times in the last six months where we have celebrated that we're not trying to manage some huge debt in the midst of very uncertain times. So that was a great moment for us. The second one is next generation leaders. 10 years ago, it was obvious that uh, our leadership across the church was primarily baby boomers and up and realizing we needed to be very deliberate in transitioning to the younger generation. So I think we've made a significant amount of progress all across the board, men and women, leaders in ministries across Lincoln Berean. 
If you were to see a picture of our staff today, it's very obvious that there's been a dramatic change as we have new, young, dynamic, talented men and women leaders in significant positions. There's been a lot of change on our staff. We've added young leaders to the elder board, young leaders to the business team, and the the directional team, which is the senior team that leads the church, has completely changed out, and the church vision, and the church is being led by uh, Josh, Ryan, and Jeff. So a lot of change, a lot of transition to younger leaders. Now, I'll tell you, I understand why churches don't do this. It wasn't easy. There are a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of trial and error trying to figure this thing out. It really was a challenge, but we feel like we've come through it. We have clarity. We're very excited for where we are. We're very excited about the future. So we feel really good about that one. Next one is what we called multiplied vision. And what we meant by that is how do we take what God has blessed us with and use it or steward it for the greater uh, purpose of the kingdom? So how can we help churches? How can we help pastors? How can we help leaders out beyond Brian? In a sense, this is our way of giving back. None of us could have imagined how this would uh, transpire, ways that God has used Lincoln Brian to impact churches and leaders and pastors all across the U.S. That's what next week is all about. Really excited for that. The next one is global church planting, which is what today's about. And we'll talk more about that in just a couple of minutes. The next one, ethnic church planting, is one where we really did not accomplish our goal. We didn't really make much progress on this one at all. I think it's easy to think you just put six things and do it and check the boxes. But what we've always said is if God doesn't show up, we can't do these things. And for whatever reason, God didn't open doors. We couldn't make progress. We aren't going to just force it to try to do it. So we're still waiting on God with this. But this is the one of the six where nothing really of significance happened. The last one is what I already mentioned. That's that personal mission for everybody to live on mission, which of course will continue on into this decade, which is why the guys did the renewed uh, series this summer to remind us that the mission goes on and we need to continue to live on mission. So again, thinking through if you've, if you've been part of Lincoln Berean over the last 10 years, whether it's directly or indirectly, you have been part, you have made possible some amazing things, extraordinary things that God has done around the world. I'm really excited for you to hear this. So at this time, I turn it over to Jeff. Can an ordinary group of people in an ordinary place like Lincoln actually help change the world? Can we actually be involved 
in meaningful works that will lead to lasting and significant impact among the great needs of the world in far away places? I believe the answer is no. We can't. Unless we are willing to align our lives to the plans and the purposes of an extraordinary God. But what if we will align our lives to God's plans and God's purposes? Well, then that is a totally different story. If you have a Bible with you this morning, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28? Matthew 28. Last week, Josh shared and taught us from Matthew 28 and from Acts 1 as we talked at the end of the Renewed series about being people who are taking the good news of Jesus to those around us. I want to just briefly revisit Matthew 28 as we lay a biblical foundation for global missions, and then I want to share with you some of the extraordinary things that God has done and how he has used even us. In Matthew 28, we find Jesus with his disciples just before his ascension. And here we find Jesus giving what is frequently called the Great Commission. These are the marching orders that he is passing on to those people and leaders who will soon become and lead the church. And what Jesus tells them is that they are to go in his name. Beginning in verse 18, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This morning, I want to focus in on just one aspect of that great commission, and that is where Jesus said to the church that we are to go and make disciples of all the nations. Do you understand that, that what that means is that the church cannot be faithful to the calling of God? The church cannot be obedient to the commands of Jesus if the church is not somehow seeking to be engaged in making disciples of all the nations. You know, today, depending on the criteria that you use, there are about 200 political countries on earth. That's quite a scope. But that doesn't actually even tell the story. Because when Jesus said, make disciples of all the nations, he was not referring to political countries. In fact, the word translated nations in Matthew 28 is ethne, which means peoples or people groups. Again, depending on the criteria you use, there are upward of 11,000 people groups on earth. That's the scope of the mission of the church, to make disciples of all the nations, to see gospel communities among all 
the peoples of the earth. So as we have talked and prayed over the years and the decades as a church about how we might be involved globally, one of the things that had to inform and drive our strategy was global need. Let me show you this slide. And this is a a slide current from Operation World, which shows the top six gospel-deprived countries on earth in terms of people groups, unreached people groups. Those are the numbers in blue. So those would be the ethne, the biblical nations to which Jesus was referring in Matthew 28. And you notice there is one country that stands out from all the rest. The country of India has in excess of five times as many unreached peoples, people groups, as anywhere else in the world. And so the Lord began to put it on our hearts that if we were going to focus on being obedient to the Great Commission as a local church, as Lincoln Berean, shouldn't we seek to be about that work in the world's most spiritually needy nation? And that's exactly what we've been setting out to do over the past couple of decades. I want to actually show you kind of a progression of how that work has taken place. If we can advance to the map... This will show you, we'll just look at the map, and I want to go state by state to give you a picture of where this has gone as we've sought to plant churches in India. We began, first of all, in the state of Andhra Pradesh in southern India, then Tamil Nadu and Karnataka and Telangana, then to north India, we went into Haryana, and then Jharkhand and east India. That was all before the last decade. Then West Bengal, and then Chhattisgarh, and then Lord opened up Nepal as a new country. Then Himachal Pradesh in North India, Bihar. And then we went into Northeast India to Assam and Arunachal Pradesh and also into Meghalaya. And then back we see Odisha, then back into the Northeast to Manipur and the tiny little state of Sikkim at the top. And then Uttarakhand, way in North India. And then Bangladesh, our third country. Bhutan, the fourth country. And finally, a fifth country of Indonesia. Then back in the States in India with Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh, and right now we are training leaders for Gujarat, Tripura, and for Jammu in the far northern part of India. And now watch the whole thing fill in. And I tell you, when I see that map, (laughs) I literally do not even know how to process it. At the beginning of the decade, when we formed what we call LBC South Asia to be our expression of this church engaged in planting churches in South Asia, we actually set a vision and said, what if God would give us the privilege of starting a church planting movement in every state in India? But to see the map that filled out is incredible even for me. I want to bring it back up and I want to tell you a little bit more about what we're focusing on in our strategy. You know, you see that and you look at the scope of that and you think, wow, that's what a praise to God. But it would be really easy, particularly I think as Westerners, for us to make a strategy that says, okay, well, let's plant a church in each one of those states. And so we'll have one church here and we'll have one church here and we'll have one church here. And then look, we'll be able to put up that map and that looks great because we're all over India. The problem is that wouldn't really accomplish the mission. India now has 1.3 billion people. And India alone has 500,000 communities where there is absolutely no church, not one single church. 
So the strategy over there had to be different than what we do over here. Here we can plant a church in this city or in this community or that place, and that's great because there are churches in most places. In India, where there is no church in half a million communities, we realized the focus of what we needed to do was be about what are called church planting movements. That means we didn't want to just start a church in each of these places. We wanted to send in a leader who would start a church, that would start a church, that would start a church, that would start a church. And that reproduction and multiplication would be a part of the DNA of the strategy from the very beginning. And that is what God has been doing. Here's kind of what it looks like. This is what's called a generation map or a gen map. And this is one of our leaders' actual work in the last 10 years. And so the strategy is we have a full-time movement leader who is a staff member with us who goes into one of those states, one of those new geographic areas, and starts a church. And that's the circle on the top. This particular individual in the last decade went into a new geographic area and started five churches. But not only did this individual start those five churches, this individual raised up leadership for those churches and from those churches so that those churches would actually start more churches. And by the way, all of those five leaders and all of the ones below them are completely unpaid. The only person who is paid is the full-time movement leader starting a church planning movement in a specific geographic area. All the rest are simply kingdom-minded disciples engaged in in, uh, planting churches in areas of great need. So you see what's happened in one one man's ministry. Now another leader is on the left and another one on the right. Again, these are just a few samples of what we've been seeing. We actually had missiologists who have been involved in church planning help us map our work. And when they saw what God was doing, they said it was extraordinary. And one of the things that made it extraordinary in the eyes of those who have been involved in trying to see the world reach through church planning for decades and decades was the fact that we are seeing generational multiplication. And not just to the first and second, but to the fourth, the fifth, and sometimes the sixth generation. Because as God begins to do that, that is what begins to change a place and allow the church to go from place to place to place to place. And here is what it kind of looks like. This is an actual satellite map of an undisclosed area in North India where we are involved in church planning. Every single one of those dots represents a church plant. And you can see they're clustered together because a church plants a church that plants a church. So all of those come out of this progress of multiplication. Here's a look at an area where we're working in East India. The same thing that you see as those churches are becoming multiplying and becoming a cluster in that area. Here's just part of Nepal where we're working and you see what the cluster of churches looks like there. And just for fun, this is Bhutan and part of Northeast India, just giving you an idea of another area where multiplying church planting is taking place. When you look at all of that and you see that, you begin to look at this map through a different lens because we aren't just trying to have one church in each of those states to feel good about ourselves. We're actually asking God to allow us to partner with him to see something take place that will change this significant need. And if you think about those states now, not as individual places, but as clusters of church here and there, you begin to see what God is doing. 
We do not by any means have that density of clusters in all 22 states and five countries that you see on this map. But we do in many places, and that is what we're asking God to do as we continue to launch into new geographic areas and God continues to open up new doors of opportunity. And that is simply extraordinary. But then you have to go back to asking the question of how do you accomplish this task? For us, we realized we had to shift from trying to just send out church planners into so many places to developing and recruiting top-level leaders. Now today, in addition to all of the staff we have serving on the church staff here in Lincoln, we have 43 full-time staff members who are movement leaders in LBC South Asia. And it's important to say, often when churches talk about missionaries or the things that they're doing, what they really are talking about is someone who's working for another organization that the church is partly supporting and is involved with. That is not the case in this situation. There's no other organization involved. In fact, we created what we call LBC South Asia, and those 43 movement leaders are all fully a part of our team and the work that God has birthed out of this local church. Even more incredible, then, is to see how God has used them over the last decade. Those 43 leaders, as they have sought to plant churches and develop leaders, have raised up 881 unpaid leaders who are actively involved in various facets of helping with church planning. That's why we're beginning to see multiplying movements, because we recognize the need for laborers, and we knew we could never hire enough people to do that kind of work. So this is a strategy that allows to deploy ordinary people to be involved in church planning and look at the extraordinary result that God brought. In just the last 10 years, we can document that there are 6,858 people who not only came to Christ, but are regularly and actively involved in the churches that have been planted by LBC South Asia. Think of that when you think of church growth. In the last 10 years, in addition to all the things that God's done here in Lincoln, he has grown the church through LBC South Asia by 6,858 people. Simply extraordinary. But wait, there's more, like they say on the infomercial, right? It does get even better because when we put this slide back and we think about the needs in the world, look again at those countries. The top six most gospel-deprived, spiritually needy nations on earth. Somehow, by the sovereignty and the grace of God, Lincoln Berean Church is actively and strategically involved in church planning movements in four of the most six needy political countries on earth. But even more exciting is when we think again that it's not political countries that matters. It's peoples. It's the nations biblically that Jesus was speaking of. And this is where I just don't even know how to put it into words. But God, being the extraordinary God that he is, has somehow allowed this ordinary group of people in this ordinary place to be actively involved in church planning among 190 nations, biblically speaking, ethne, people groups, right now, today. And it gets even, thank you, hang on a second, it gets better though. 
I think the next slide is, is perhaps even more exciting. Those are 190 unreached people groups, but this is 17 what missiologists call UUPGs, which stands for unreached, unengaged people groups. What that means is that to anyone's ability to document that these are peoples, these are biblical nations that never in human history have had anyone actually seeking to bring the good news of Jesus Christ and his love to those peoples in an active, ongoing, and strategic ways. They're not only unreached, nobody's even engaged with them. But by the grace of God, through what he is doing, we get to be involved with him in planting churches right now among 17 unreached, unengaged people groups on earth. So when we come back to the map, with that detail in mind and that deeper level of understanding, the only thing that I can say is now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ask or even imagine. To him be the glory in the church now and forevermore. Friends, that is something to celebrate. That is a decade on purpose. Amen. But now we are in a new decade. It's 2020. And boy, how did this one start out? With a global pandemic. And it's been difficult for churches. Honestly, I I think a lot of churches have kind of chosen to go into hibernation. But you know, we've been talking and praying a lot here at Lincoln Brain and said, you know what? The mission matters too much. We have got to continue to be a people who go out on mission. That's why the last two weeks at the end of the Renewed series, Ryan and Josh talked about this idea of us helping others to know the love of Jesus Christ. Jason and others have led in showing example after example of neighboring, how even in the midst of a pandemic, we have opportunity right in front of us. If we will be the hands and feet of Jesus to love the people all around us right here in our city. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Well, guess what? The same thing has been happening on the other side of the world. Early in the pandemic, I called one of our top line leaders and found, when I found out that India was going into a total lockdown and I said, what now? All of our travel was shut down, all of our conferences, all of our training, all of our typical methodology for being able to accomplish what God has called us to. I could almost hear the smile in his voice when he said, we're not shut down. He understood they needed to pivot their strategy, but they were already engaged in figuring out more creative ways to reach people with the love of Jesus. They started using this old thing called a telephone. They started calling people and talking to people. They started reaching out to their near neighbors and through their networks of relationship. And then they saw a critical opportunity. India has millions of people who were economically displaced through the lockdown. Today is day 145 of what was almost a total lockdown in India. 
In fact, I recently saw a study that says 43% of the people in India are right now dealing with some measure of depression. In addition, you have millions of daily wage laborers who had no economic backup plan, no source of financial support. So our guys said, let us be the hands and feet of a loving God. And these are just a few of dozens of dozens and dozens of pictures that they have sent to me of them going out to people who were in desperate situation and bringing to them food, bringing to them cleaning supplies, bringing to them education to know how to handle the pandemic. They have been out in that culture bringing people in safe ways the things that they need to survive a pandemic. In fact, Our leaders and teams from LBC South Asia have been able to bring relief from the pandemic to 930 families. They raised 585,000 rupees, which is about the equivalent of 7,800 US dollars. On top of that, in the midst of the pandemic, a super cyclone hit two of the states where we work. That's their word for a hurricane. And it hit Odisha and West Bengal. Once again, our guys said, this is a time for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They stepped up, they got involved, they helped rebuild 23 homes that have been damaged or destroyed by that hurricane. Right now, as we speak, there is monsoon flooding taking place in parts of South Asia that is causing devastation for many people. I received a video a week ago from one of our church planters whose house was literally full of water. Once again, they are neighboring. They are getting involved in helping people right now in the midst of very real and difficult situations. Just as God has called us to neighboring right here in Lincoln, he's doing the same through our teams throughout South Asia. And the results over there have been absolutely incredible. You see, the guys determine we are not just going to do good works. We also want to bring good news. We want to explain to people the why behind our work because it doesn't make sense in their culture that people would come and bring you food and relief. So they have been able to talk to many people about the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the last four months alone during the pandemic from April to July, they have engaged in over 6,000 gospel conversations. And as a result, 1,000 430 people from April to July indicated a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Now, it may be a long time before we really know how solid all of those 1430 decisions are, but one thing we know for certain, in a culture where you are persecuted, where there is open hostility and overt opposition to the church of Jesus Christ, and in the midst of a pandemic lockdown, When someone makes a decision to be baptized, that is monumental. That is certain. That is them saying publicly, I am all in. I am following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And in the last four months, during a pandemic lockdown, 333 people through our LBC South Asia work have been baptized. And that's not even accurate. Because last night, after the Saturday night service, I got a message from one of our leaders in India, and he told me just in the last week, in two of the states that we're working, 43 more people have been baptized. And so the gospel continues to go forward. 
Somehow, miraculously, even in the midst of a pandemic, 20 new church plants were launched just in the last four months. So when we look at all of that and we start to ask the question of why missions matters, to me it comes back to pictures like these. These are just a few of the many pictures that I've been sent of the baptisms that have taken place over there. And when I look at these pictures, I am reminded of why all of this matters. It matters because every person matters to God. Every single person from every people in every place matters to our great God. In Revelation chapter 5, John is seeing a vision, and the vision is so disturbing to him that we're told that he is weeping. And the reason it is disturbing, because he sees a scene in which the question is asked, who can open the book of life? In other words, who can bring salvation for the needy people of the world? And the answer is no one was found who was worthy. Not on earth or in heaven or under the earth. And John is literally weeping at the vision. But then he writes, beginning in verse 5, One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain. And you purchase for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Pastor John Piper has famously said that missions exist because worship does not. I am so thankful that our God is the God of the extraordinary who is actually changing the lives of people all around the world. And he is willing to even use us. And that is why we fervently seek to make disciples of all nations. That is why we faithfully and boldly seek to be witnesses of his great news, not only locally, but to the very ends of the earth. And I am so thankful for God, how God has used us. I am so thankful that in the last 10 years, thousands of people from Lincoln Berean, through your prayers and through your giving, have had a chance to be a part of what he has done. And I'm so thankful that just about 100 of us have actually gotten on a plane, people from Lincoln Brian Church, and flown to the other side of the world to use your gifts in business, agriculture, education, compassion projects, and gospel proclamation to help us reach out and reach the unreached. I am so thankful for how we have gotten to be a part of what God has done. Can an ordinary group of people in an ordinary place like Lincoln actually help change the world? Absolutely. To the extent that we will align our lives to the plans and the purposes of an extraordinary God. What a joy and a privilege it is to share with you what God has done in the last 10 years. It has truly been a decade on purpose. But now we sit in a new decade. And I find myself asking one question. Who might God want to use in extraordinary ways? to actually help change the world. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of being a part of what you have done. God, to you be the glory. It's what you have done. Lord, we get to be a part of the incredible if and when we align ourselves to your purposes and plans, not simply living for our own purposes and plans. Oh God, I am so thankful for how so many have taken steps to get to be involved in what you're doing. Never could we have imagined the extraordinary outcomes that you had in mind. As we head toward a new decade, Lord, may we be people who understand you are the God of the extraordinary. May we not miss out on what you're about to do in the next 10 years. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.